Well, praise the Lord. Had a great service Sunday with Brother England. I'll tell you, I so enjoyed Brother England. Just, uh, you know, he's a pastor. And I uh, so appreciate the message that he brought to us this past Sunday. God is moving and God is working. But you know, sometimes things don't always go as we planned, do they? How about you? Is that right for you? <laughs> sometimes we find ourselves in difficult places and situations, maybe, you know, what we call between a rock and a hard place. Sometimes it's hard to see how things can possibly work out, but God is faithful. You know, the Apostle Paul, throughout the book of Acts and his other writings, in his writings, his letters, you see that he went through so many hard places, so many difficult times, and yet God was faithful to bring him through. And I want you to know tonight that God will do the same for you. Amen. We're going to go to the book of Acts, chapter 23. And let me just kind of give you the background here. We'll set this up in Acts 23. The Apostle Paul is a prisoner. Now, I want that to sink in for just a minute. You know, we think of him, the great Apostle Paul, you know, he's a prisoner. And he's been brought before the Sanhedrin. The Pharisees and the Sadducees are there. And he has managed to pit them against one another until there's this great battle that's going on. And we're going to pick it up there in verse 10 of Acts 23. We'll read 10 and then 11. But verse 10 says, now when there arose a great dissension, they're having this battle between the two of them. The commander, the Roman soldier that was responsible for Paul as a prisoner fearing lest Paul might be pulled to pieces by them. What? Pulled to pieces, torn in pieces, fearing that Paul might be torn in pieces by them. He commanded the soldiers to go down and take him by force from among them and bring, the, bring him to the barracks. I want to tell you, Paul lived dangerously. He's about to be torn apart. He created this commotion between the two, and now he's about to be torn apart. Verse 11, but the following night, the Lord stood by him and said, be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. There are places in the world right now, and we talked about this Sunday before last when we talked about blessed are the persecuted, but there are places in the world right now where you can be jailed or worse for preaching Jesus. Can you imagine being jailed for the cause of Christ? I mean, really, us here in America, we can only imagine, right? I mean... What would you think if you were imprisoned for the cause of Christ? What would you be thinking as you sat there? I want to remind you from the message Sunday before last, Jesus said that we should rejoice and, it, and be very glad. But what would you be thinking as you sat there? 
You know, I think even though we're unlikely to be jailed for the cause of Christ, I think a lot of people kind of consider them as, themselves a prisoner in some way. They feel like they're a prisoner to their job. They, they don't like their job. They feel like they're stuck. And maybe, uh, you know, some people... Uh, Maybe they work with a bunch of unbelievers and they, they hate the, the cussing and people bragging about their sin. Or maybe, worse yet, they work with a bunch of backslidden Christians and, you know, that, that can be really tough. But I don't know. Maybe God has them there to be a light in a dark place. But it's so difficult for us a lot of the time to, to think that way. You know, when we're in a, a, a dark place, a hard place, it's not human nature for us to think I'm here for a purpose but instead we tend to just want to think I want to get out of this some people you know they think they're a prisoner of their marriage or their family I'm glad that nobody said amen <laughs> yeah at least not out loud uh, I read a story about somebody who one day they just disappeared because you know they just went went away and left no message or information at all about where they were going. They just want to get away from their family and they just disappeared. I think there's probably a lot of adults that have, you know, you talk about kids running away. I think there's a lot of parents that thought about running away and it just, you know, it just never worked out. They gave up on the idea. But, you know, there's a lot of people that face some situation in life where they just feel like they're stuck and they can't get away. What was Paul's attitude about being a prisoner? Well, you don't really have to wonder about it much because much of his time as a prisoner is written about in the book of Acts and also in what we call the prison epistles, the letters that he wrote from prison. I mean, it's from prison that in Philippians 4, 4, he writes, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. I doubt that, that he ever envisioned as a child, you know, I'm going to grow up and be a prisoner someday. I mean, this man, if you, if you read the Bible, you, you know that he was a respectable man. I mean, he was a Roman citizen. He was well-educated. He was successful. He was driven. And here he is. Well, I guess nowadays he'd be wearing an orange jumpsuit. I don't see anybody in here in orange jumpsuits. You know what I'm saying to you? You're in a better situation than the Apostle Paul. Listen, when he was a prisoner, they didn't have air conditioning and TVs and comfortable beds and, you know, three squares and all that. It wasn't like that. This man was a prisoner in bonds for Jesus Christ. And we need, you know, we know these stories, but I just tell you, we need to see this as he was a real man, a real person. And yet his attitude was this, Ephesians 4, 1, he says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. See, that's how he viewed himself. He, he didn't uh, view himself as just a, just a prisoner of the state. He considered himself a prisoner for the cause of Christ. And sometimes we give the world way too much credit or maybe we give the world too much control. You know, when bad things happen and we feel stuck too often, we get a bad attitude. We think, oh, it's not right that I'm in this situation. And, and sometimes we even get upset with the Lord. 
Now, I want to I give clarification here. I'm not talking about somebody that's in an abusive relationship. But so often, you see, we just kind of get a negative mindset, a negative attitude about the difficult times and the difficult places that we go through. And we need to see that even this man as a prisoner, he still had this overcoming attitude that somehow that the hand of God was upon him. He was a prisoner for the Lord. And you see, you need to realize that you may not be an apostle, but you are just as much a child of God. You are just as much one of those that God has created for good works, which he has before ordained that you should walk in. There's things that you're supposed to do. God has a purpose for your life. And where you are and where you feel stuck and maybe those things, those areas of your life that, that you just think, this ain't right, I want to get out of this. Listen, if you're out of the will of God then repent and get in the will of God. You see, but a lot of the time, we go through difficult times and we just complain and we just bellyache and look at the negatives when God can turn it for good. You know, you need to remember that you are in His hands. In John 10, 28, Jesus says that no one can take us from his hand. No one can take us from his hand. You see, we need to remember that the Lord is in control of our lives. We're not just some pawn being moved about by circumstances or ungodly people. Our God is bigger than that. And we need to realize that he has his hand on us. Nobody can take us from his hand. We just need to always trust the Lord and know that he has a plan and he'll bring us through to victory. I don't know what your situation is, but you can't get much lower than being a prisoner. No orange jumpsuits. So whatever our vocation, our position, whatever our lot in life, we need to be the Lord's servant and do what we do as unto the Lord. Anybody heard this verse, Colossians 3, 23, whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. And who did he write this to? He wrote this to servants. Servants. And he was lower than a servant. He was a prisoner. He certainly made the most of his situation, didn't he? I mean, he's writing letters to the churches from prison. I mean, we're still reading the scripture that he wrote today. Are you making the most of your situation? I feel like a wimp. You know what I'm saying? This guy went through so much, and yet somehow he was used so mightily, even though there was so much opposition against him. He didn't see himself as just a prisoner. He saw himself as a prisoner of the Lord. But listen to this from Ephesians 6.20. For which I am an ambassador in chains. An ambassador in chains. What's an ambassador? It's, it's someone who's a representative from another country that comes and they represent that country. And he's talking about that he is the Lord's representative. He's in chains, but he is an ambassador. 
I want you to know you can be an ambassador as a janitor. You can be an ambassador as the lawn man. I've done some of that. I've done some of the other too, by the way. I just kind of throw this in every once in a while. It's this problem I have. I don't have much respect for preachers that had never cleaned toilets. But anyway, my Savior washed feet. That's all I'm saying about that. Moving on. Listen. Whatever it is that we do, we need to realize wherever we are, whatever situation, we're the Lord's ambassador. You know, the Apostle Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 5.20, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. See, whatever that situation is, you're Christ's ambassador. He said, I'm an ambassador in chains. You can be an ambassador in your situation. Represent. As a prisoner, Paul ministered to other prisoners and to servants and to soldiers and to dignitaries and judges and kings as a prisoner as a prisoner? As a prisoner, he spoke to kings. Isn't it amazing that God would use him so mightily from such a lowly position? We always think just the opposite. We think you got to be an NFL star or a big actress or got to be some type of celebrity. That way you'll be able to reach a lot of people. You got to have that big platform, you know, somebody important, somebody with money. You know, Elon Musk, boy, if we could get him saved, can you imagine? I hear people talking like this. I hear preachers talking like this. My God is the one that uses the nobodies. He uses the ordinary and does extraordinary things through them. God's not looking for a man to get any glory. No flesh will glory in his presence. He's chosen the weak and the foolish, the despised things, the things that are not. That's how our God works. You see, and he used a prisoner and what I'm saying to you is, is that you may feel like you're unimportant or you don't have much influence or, you know, what can you do? What if you were a prisoner? And this man spoke to kings. Don't limit God by your circumstances. The Lord wants servants that will give him the glory. And he raised up a prisoner to reach those in the highest places of authority. Could he have possibly known, Apostle Paul, could he have possibly known as he wrote those letters they would be read 2,000 years later still by so many? Here's a jail ministry. This jail ministry was conducted by a man in jail. Yeah, we always think of ministering to the one in jail, but Paul was ministering from the jail. 
Philippians 1, 12 and 13, Paul says, I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ and most of the brethren in the Lord have become confident by my chains and are much more bold to speak the word without fear. I'm sure it was difficult for him to be in chains, but God is sovereign and the Lord is using this whole situation. And the apostle Paul sees and knows and understands it. That's why a couple of chapters later, he said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice because he knows that God is taking this and he's bring, he's taking these bad circumstances and bringing good out of it. Right. Romans eight twenty eight. we know that in all things, he works together for the good of those who love God and who are the called according to his purpose. See, God is working this all together for good. And here, by Paul's chains, he says, the brothers have become much more bold. They are encouraged. They are strengthened. Here he is going through this great trial but they are strengthened by what he's going through. Amen. The things that have happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. That's what he said. I think too often we are more concerned with our comfort than the Lord's cause. In verse 13, he says, it was evident to everybody that his chains were in Christ. It wasn't a secret. And you know what? In our life... We ought to let people know that whatever we do, we do it for the Lord. And, you know, the Lord has something more for you than just working a job, raising kids, trying to have a little fun along the way. No, he wants us to have an abundant life. I believe that the Apostle Paul lived an abundant life, a life of fulfillment, a life of great joy. Yes, tests and trials, but great victories. Verse 14, he tells us that others were inspired by his commitment and sacrifice. And you see, we need to realize that other people can be inspired by your commitment and your sacrifice. Allow God to use the negatives in your life. Now, that's a good word. And some of you are thinking, well, I don't know. Here's the option. Just be sad and mad and mully grub and moan and groan about it and go on with that. That ain't no fun. Allow God to use the negatives in your life. Amen. This man is in chains, but God is using it mightily. You see, when you allow God to do that and you witness and testify of him, it brings glory to him and it encourages other people. So I can tell you that when my wife went through different cancer treatments. And, and you know, for so many years, she had done, had so few treatments and had been fine. But then finally she ends up having to go through chemo and, and all that stuff. And, but did you know that God used that? 
You know, sometimes we, we wonder, why, why this? Why now? You know what? She could talk to people about miraculous healings, but there were a lot of people going through chemo. They're like, you don't know what I'm going through. She does now. And she can testify. And she can encourage and strengthen others. And there's my brother Jimmy Alcala. He knows exactly what I'm talking about because he helps a lot of people the same way. Then nobody can tell him, you ain't been through what I'm going through. He's been there. And they can encourage and strengthen others the negative thing that they've been through. And I just want you to understand, whatever that is for you, you can be a witness and a testimony and God can use you to help others and strengthen others. Paul, this prisoner in a dark place, he knew God was going to use him in a greater way than ever before. Nothing is too hard for God. So when the circumstances you're in are not your first choice, you need to look for a door of opportunity for God to use you. Now, he has a reason for everything. The car breaks down. Planes delayed, septic tank needs pumping out. It's raining on your picnic. Maybe the devil's trying to aggravate you, but you don't have to let him get the victory. God can accomplish something in your negative situation if you'll trust him. Now, we're going to go back to the book of Acts, back to chapter 23, just a few verses later. And it, uh, it tells us, this, or this is what he said there. Um, we'll get to the later in a minute. Anyway, but the following night, the Lord stood by him and said, be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. I want you to see this. The Lord stood by Paul. I want you to know he stands by you too. He may not seem... You may not always hear him or feel him, but he's there. He stands by us. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's right there. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He stands by you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You got his word on it. He himself said. Verse 6, So we may boldly say, The Lord is my help, helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. Amen. See, we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be worried or concerned about what others may or may not do. You know, in this crazy world we live in, there's a lot of mean, wicked people. You don't need to be afraid of people. The Lord is our helper. Amen. He takes care of us. He is a mighty, awesome God, and He stands by us. We, sometimes, you know, we, we worry about being mistreated, taken advantage of. We don't need to. God's able to work it all out. He stands by us. You know, the Sanhedrin was against Him, Paul. The Roman soldiers were against Him. You ever feel like everybody's against you? Everybody's not. There's one who will stand by you. He stands by me. Uh, we'll say it. He stands by me. Again, he stands by me. 
That's right. He stands by us to comfort us. You know, when the Lord is with you, you know everything's going to be all right. 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. He comforts us in all our troubles. Does that include yours? It does. He comforts us, he says, so that we can comfort others. Say, whatever you're going through, you know, when somebody says, I know what you're going through, it doesn't really mean anything when they haven't been through what you're going through, right? But I want you to know that Jesus, just a few years before Paul, he had been in this same city before the same council being tried for the same kinds of things not for a crime, but for doing good. Both were called blasphemers and heretics and troublemakers, and Jesus knew what Paul was going through. And he understands what we're going through. Hebrews 4, 15, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. He stands by us to strengthen us when we're in that dark place, when the battle's too great. We don't have to be all alone by ourselves. No, he's with us. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, when it gets too much for you, you just can't go another step. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He stands by us to give us the strength that we need to accomplish our purpose, to do what pleases him to fulfill his plan in our life. Some people abuse that scripture as though it's some, some kind of catch-all verse where we, we can just use it for anything we want. Well, you'll find out real quick it doesn't work that way. But you absolutely can do anything that is part of his plan and will and purpose in your life. He will give you the strength to carry it out. And that's why this man, the Apostle Paul, was able to go through all that he did and just keep going. He was drawing upon that strength. He stands by us to comfort us, to strengthen us, and he stands by us to speak to us. He spoke to the Apostle Paul. You know, so many people today think that it's strange if you say the Lord spoke to you. And I know that there's some people that just go nutty. I mean, every other sentence they're saying, the Lord said, the Lord said, the Lord said, and the Lord didn't say. I think it's a trick of the devil to get believers to throw that baby out with the bathwater and just not even believe in God speaking to us. But if you read the Bible, you see, you see that God spoke over and over and over. He spoke to David. He spoke to Gideon. He spoke to Moses. He spoke to Abraham. He spoke to Paul. He spoke to Peter. He spoke and he still speaks. Sometimes he speaks to us through his word as you're reading it and the Holy Spirit just causes it to come to life. Sometimes he speaks to us through another person. Sometimes he speaks to us just in that still small voice as the scripture says. Sometimes it's just that knowing in your heart. But he speaks to us and one word from God can give you strength, give you the faith, give you what you need to put you over. But we gotta know this, that he stands by us 
to speak to us, to encourage us. See, he says to Paul, be of good cheer. In the NIV, it's take courage, be of good cheer. He said that to us too, didn't he? Yeah, it's for all of us. In this, tr- in this world, you're going to have trouble. He says, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Right. You know, the, the best thing that Jesus could have ever said to Paul was be of good cheer as you have testified to me in Jerusalem, so you will at Rome. Because that was the desire of his heart. That was something that God had put in his heart and he lived for that. And the Lord's telling him, you know, see, it, it wasn't something that Paul didn't already know, but sometimes, sometimes you need that encouragement. You, you need a confirmation. Sometimes you just need to hear it again. See, you, when you come to church, you hear some stuff you already know. You need to hear it again sometimes. Because when you're going through something, you just need to hear it again. And the Lord tells him, you're going to Rome. It's going to happen. You know, the Lord sees our efforts. And sometimes maybe it seems like we're not getting anywhere. We feel like things will never change and never get there. But he's the one that gives the increase. He's the one that can make it happen. He speaks to us to give us vision. So many people just live mundane lives, just living another day with no real purpose. They might even be successful by the world's standards, but they're not really living a life of fulfillment, an abundant life. But the Lord speaks to us and he gives us a purpose that's bigger than just ourselves, bigger than just the here and now, things that matter in eternity. He told Paul, you're going to Rome. And I'm telling you, that was like a dream for Paul. That was what he longed for. This prisoner, he's going to go to Caesar's household and speak to Caesar's household. Amazing. He speaks to us to build our faith. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, I just want you to understand about this verse. We quoted a whole lot, but there's two words for the word of God. There's the logos, that written word, and then there's a rhema word. And this is that Greek word rhema here. This is a a spoken word. See, when you hear from God, when God speaks to you, faith comes. I'm just telling you, He stands by you in the dark times, in the hard times, and he will speak to you. You need to be listening. You need to be looking to him and trusting him that he is there not only to comfort you, but to speak to you. And he stands by us to sovereignly guide our lives. He stands by me. He stands by me. We're going to pick our story back up in verse 12 of Acts 23. And I'll tell you what, I'm not going to read all this to you. I'm just going to tell you about it, but I encourage you to read it later. Just read the whole chapter, Acts 23. But uh, more than 40 Jews, the Bible says, they formed this pact that they were going to kill the apostle Paul. Can you imagine... 40 men getting together, more than 40 it says, and making a covenant with one another 
that they will not eat or drink until they kill you. I'll tell you what, when I think about what this man went through, all the opposition that I've ever had in my whole life serving the Lord, just seems like nothing. I don't know about you. 40 people make a pact with one another that they will not eat or drink until they kill him. And there was, we don't know if this was a boy, a teenager, a young man, but Paul's nephew happened to hear this. And Paul's nephew goes and tells Paul in the barracks where they're keeping him as a prisoner. And Paul tells him, or calls the, the centurion, and he tells him, please take this man, or this boy, this nephew, whatever, to the, to the commander. He takes him to him. He tells him what these people are planning. And the commander tells the, the young man, he tells him, you don't tell anybody else what you just told me. And I, I, I suppose that those guys eventually broke their oath because they didn't kill him. They couldn't do it. But you, listen, whenever you feel like you're facing opposition, just remember what Paul went through. At your job with non-Christians or friends, acquaintances in ministry, I tell you, anything you do, there's going to be opposition. But 40 men trying to kill him. Now, I guess Paul was just like super lucky. I mean, not your cat, nine lives, you know what I'm saying? I mean, wow, what a coincidence. No, this is a sovereign God. Now, this sovereign God, if he wanted to, he could have put a plague on those 40-something men. If he wanted to, he could have sent a lightning bolt or fire from heaven and burned them all to crisp. He could have gotten rid of those men any way he sees fit. But he had a young man that happened to be in the right place at the right time, and the right young man, by the way, that is the hand of a sovereign God who uses people. And you see, you need to know that this sovereign God, he is able to move people around and have people in the right place at the right time. This same God works in your life. And we need to believe, you see, we need to believe him to work in our lives like that. Now, the commander calls for two centurions. In fact, I'll just read this one. It's Acts 23, 23 through 25. He says, prepare 200 soldiers, 70 horsemen, 200 spearmen to go to Caesarea at the third hour of the night and provide mounts to set Paul on and bring him safely to Felix the governor. He wrote a letter in the following manner. I, I'm just telling you, you see, God made a way and protected the man of God. The Lord told him, you're going to Rome. Guess what? He's going to Rome. And there's not anything that anybody can do to stop it. In fact, what you see here is that the Lord used a godless government. You need to realize how ungodly the Roman government was. Horrible, ungodly. 
And yet God used them to rescue the man of God. All the things that happened to Paul. Being stoned, beaten, imprisoned, shipwrecked, snake-bitten, whipped. None of it could stop God's plan. You need to know that the Lord stands by us to sovereignly guide our lives. He is all-powerful, all-seeing, all-knowing. We might, know, not, might not know about the obstacles that are down the road and that we're going to face. He does already. He stands by me. Say it again. He stands by me. And some of you, you need to really get that. He stands by me. See, when you're in that place, in that hard place, He stands by me. He's not going away in the hard times. But the Lord uses all these events in Paul's life to eventually bring him to Rome. Did God fulfill His word to Paul? Philippians 4.22, all the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. Wow. He made it. We get this. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. There are saints in Caesar's household. I don't know if he won them or some of them were already won, but I know this, there were saints in Caesar's household. What a testimony. He's there to be a witness in Caesar's household. And he stands by us to fulfill our destiny, to fulfill the dreams, the purposes that he's put in our hearts. He stands by us to bring to pass his purpose in our lives and make a difference in eternity. He stands by us on our darkest day. He'll stand by you to comfort you, to strengthen you. He'll stand by you to speak to you, to give you vision, to, to give you faith and purpose. He'll stand by you to sovereignly guard your life. He will stand by you. I want you to stand.